Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. Really excited to share with you today. The title is Freedom Fighters and freedom is something that I'm really excited about. My name is Nicole and it actually means, oh, hello. <laughs> it means victory of the people I discovered a few years ago and I thought, that is apt. That's what I've been speaking over myself. That's what I feel like my purpose here on earth is to do, to help people find out how to live victorious lives in Christ, victory to his people, and to have that freedom that Christ promised us. He said, I came to give you life to the full, and that's what we want. And But we can find ourselves in life sometimes thinking, this isn't, this isn't the best. This is, there's something that is blocking me. There's some area where there is a restriction. So I'm really excited over the next two weeks to share this word with you because I believe it's going to be life-giving for each and every one of us. And last month I shared a, a preach titled Promises, Promises and expanded on the four cups that were used to commemorate and celebrate the four promises that God gave the children of Israel when he brought them out of Egypt and slavery. And we looked at the first cup in, of salvation in a lot of detail. So today and next week I'm going to go into more detail about the second cup, which is the cup of deliverance representing freedom. And freedom is so symbolic of taking territory. All wars are fought over territory. And there's that spiritual war that is going on, that battle, because the desire for freedom is so primitive in our human nature. You know, who could forget the portrayal of William Wallace in Braveheart in his, talking to his fellow Scotsman and doing his, his freedom for their nation? He says, I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You have come to fight as free men and free men you are. What would you do without freedom? Will you fight? When the guy says, we will run. And he says, fight and you may die. Run and you'll live at least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. <laughs> I love that. I'm sorry I can't do a Scottish accent. Apparently that would be far more motivational if I was on a horse in a kit with a blue face. But <laughs> Sorry. But true freedom is worth the fight. And the Bible is a story of God's people and his relationship with them and their journey over the centuries. And at one stage, the children of Israel, God's people, were captive to slavery in Egypt. And God raised up Moses to lead Israel to a new home, a promised land. And so after a protracted series of um, negotiations with Pharaoh and then a whole lot of plagues on the Egyptians, Moses came to a stalemate with the stubborn leader who still refused to let the Israelites go. And as a final inducement, the angel of death was allowed to visit each household, Egyptian and Hebrew alike, and he was able to claim the lives of every firstborn. However, the angel was instructed to pass over any house that had, had been painted with the blood of the lamb. So they'd have the blood of the lamb and they would paint it on the doorposts, which you can see is like a symbol of the cross of what was to come in the future. And by doing that, that allowed the children to live. And at the time of this dreadful display of his power, God made it clear that not only would he spare his people, but he would also lead them into a life of freedom that they could not even imagine. And he gave them four promises, which are in Exodus 6. I will free you from oppression. 
I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. So these four I will statements in Exodus laid the foundation for the nation of Israel and became crucial elements in their annual celebration of God's faithfulness, which they still observe today, known as Passover. And during the Passover, they take of four different cups, representing these promises. And the first step that we see in this is to know God, which is the key to life. And it's called the cup of sanctification, where we experience real salvation. But maybe like so many people, you haven't experienced salvation because you think God wants something from you first. That you have to get things right in your life before God will listen to you. But drinking from this cup is not that hard. It's actually easy. It's one of the easiest things you do because when we're in bondage, we're lost and far away from true home. It can feel complicated. If religions have one thing in common, it's that they require us to do something to get to God. All except Christianity. So many people, including many Christians, believe that God requires us to make changes before we can approach him. But that's not true. We don't get our lives together to come before God. We go to God to get our lives together. So what are you supposed to do? The answer is in God's first cup of promise where he says, I'll bring you out. And sometimes we're tempted to try to earn our way out into abundant life. But God's word is undeniably clear that no matter how hard we try, no matter how much we do or how long we do it, it will never be enough. We simply can't earn God's favour. But even better, we don't have to. How good is that? The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. We don't have to work to curry favour with God. The moment we believe and commit our lives to him, he gives us the best present that we could ever have, hope to receive adoption into the family of God. And once God becomes Lord of your life, he begins working in your heart to give you both the desire and the power to change. Not before. And a lot of change will happen after you've been set free. But you don't change in order to become free Salvation is a gift. So I'd just like you to close your eyes here today. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've wandered far from God, here's a simple prayer you can pray to completely surrender your life to him. And as I pray this, may God bless you as you drink from the cup of sanctification. Father God, thank you for loving me the way you do. For so long I've been wandering around far from you, living my life my own way. Please forgive me. Today I respond to your spirit who is leading me home by giving you my life. Today I receive what Jesus did for me on the cross and I receive the free gift of salvation. Be the Lord of my life. Thank you for setting me free. I'm ready to follow you and I trust that you know the way. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time or felt like it was a real time, just pop your hand up so I can see it. Awesome, that's great. Anyone else in this place has made that incredible decision? Oh, thank you, mighty God. Amen. Hey, that was a great decision. If you're one of the people that put your hand up today, I'd love to chat with you afterwards and help you along on your journey. So salvation is a gift.
It's about knowing God as that's the key to life and the crucial understanding that he loves you. And the first step in our spiritual journey, but it's also a recurring journey of walking with God throughout our lives. It's like when you're married, you don't just get married and then you stop in the relationship and that's it after the first anniversary or the 10th or the 27th. (laughs) It's an ongoing dynamic relationship, a process of continuing to know each other. Steve will say to me, "I I never thought you'd like that or I never thought you would think like that. You're still discovering new things about each other. And knowing God is the same. We know God's voice by praying, talking and listening to him, spending time with him. And we know his ways by reading, studying and applying them. So after we've made that salvation decision, we continue to grow in him. Because salvation is a huge and comprehensive word. It means freedom. And there are three tenses of salvation. You have been set free from the penalty of sin, like that decision that some of you made today give your life to Jesus, and then we continue to walk with him. It says when we draw near to him, he comes near to us. And so much more to discover and enjoy about him and then about ourselves as we go along on that journey. And as we do, we're being set free from the power of sin, and then we get set free from the presence of sin. And Galatians 1.3 says, Your salvation was won at a great cost. Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins to rescue us from this evil world system. And it's interesting here because this is one of the earliest letters that Paul wrote to the Ephesians, I think about 48 AD. And they had been set free from so much of the religion and come into a salvation thing. But then other people had come into the town and tried to put all these rules on them and saying, well, no, you have to become a Jew and you have to be circumcised and you have to do these and follow all the rules. And Paul was really upset from this. And it's interesting because he used to be that sort of person. He was known as Saul of, as Saul of Tarsus and he persecuted Christians. But then he encountered Jesus and experienced something radically different, a freedom that comes from within the heart. It wasn't just following rules and ticking boxes. And the message of the gospel is one of freedom. We're freed from sin, guilt, shame, addiction and death. We're set free we also set free from justification by the works of the law. You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to do all this. And Paul testifies of his own experience of finding freedom in Jesus and how it changed him from someone who was, he says in the word, all out in persecuting God's church and systematically destroying it to preaching the very message he tried to destroy. And this conversion was just amazing. You can imagine the testimony it was to people. And it reminds us that no one is beyond God's reach. Have you ever, ever wondered whether God could use you? Have you ever thought, well, there's something that you've done in your life that might disqualify you? Well, Paul's testimony is evidence that God not only forgives, he sets you free and he can use you greatly, no matter what you've done in your past. And this testimony was powerful. Their response was to recognise and worship God because of me. That's what Paul says. Your testimony, even if seemingly far less spectacular than Paul's, I'm sure many of you haven't gone around murdering Christians, but you will ha- people will have, it will have an impact on people when they hear it. And God promises to rescue you from bondage. He promises to help you discover his original intention for your life. And he promises to make you part of a family that is making a difference in the world. 
So when we look at this second cup, the cup of deliverance, it's based on the promise, I will free you from being slaves. You think, well, wait a minute. They've already come out of Egypt and they're saved, so how can they not be free? God promised his people they would not only bring them physically out of Egypt, but he would also free them from the slavery mindset. They still thought and acted like slaves. They had that as a second nature. And he, we, we get them out of Egypt, the world, but then Egypt, we've got to get out of them. We've got to get that out of us. And we see this in the Great Commission, the parallel here, Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We are to teach others how to know the truth about God, about themselves, about why we are created. As we recognize our weaknesses, our sinful mistakes, and our need for forgiveness, we need to know that our Saviour, he offers us a new way of living that frees us from enslavement of sin. And deliverance is overcoming the mindset of slavery to sin. It's often a lifelong battle. And it's a battle we can only win by relying on Jesus day by day and moment by moment. Can't do it in our own strength. And there's something about our human nature that learns to adapt to our surroundings no matter how painful or difficult they may be. Then when circumstances change, we often find it hard to know how to function without the familiarity of our prior captivity. And we may go back to those enslaving habits. And I remember seeing a picture of an elephant in a circus and you see them, as soon as they're born, they put a chain around their leg and they're tied from that chain to a stake that's in the ground and it's really solidly in the ground and it's only a little elephant and it's pulling and pulling. It might try for hours, days, maybe weeks to pull and get free, but it can't because it's small. But the years go by and that elephant has gotten to be really huge and very strong and powerful it's still tied to that stake in the ground. If it actually gave it a go, it would pull and yank and be free. Those chains would fall off. But it's so ingrained with the familiar and what it's known, it's got that slave mentality. It doesn't even try. It just is like, this is a lot. This is my lot in life. This is where I am. Don't you think we can be like that sometimes? We just adapted to life and this tendency to... We, the tendency to need help adapting to a new life explains the message behind God's second promise. I will rescue you from your slavery. Amen. We can be free spiritually, committed to following Jesus and living for God and act still like slaves to old habits and behaviours. Many people today still have messed up thinking, and plagued by selfish habits, secret addictions and sinful attitudes. We need the cup of deliverance so we can be delivered from old mindsets that, clings to the, that cling to the past. So deliverance is for anyone still struggling with their sinful nature. It's for people whose past keeps limiting their future. In other words, it's for everyone. <laughs> deliverance is different from salvation. Salvation takes care of our eternity Deliverance determines our quality of life while we're still on earth. Salvation, the first cup, is instant. Deliverance, the second cup, is a process. When God saves us, he forgives everything we've ever done. 
but often our habits, attitudes and sin linger on. And for most of us, we're still haunted by memories and pains from the past. But God didn't save us only to have us settle for less than his best. Salvation ignites our spiritual transformation, renews and empowers our spirit and recalibrates it to God's original purpose. Because our spirit was designed to influence the body and the soul. But in order for this to happen, the body and soul must go through a cleansing process and submit to the Holy Spirit work in us. So basically we have to learn how God intended for us to live rather than continue in the sinful ways that have become our default mode. And there's many reasons why we experience bondage. It can be generational curses or things that we have inherited which we may not even be aware of. It can be from vows or agreements that we have made, either knowingly or subconsciously. I got set free from something um, two weeks ago that I remember I'd made this vow, had to get it broken. I'll tell you about that next week. But maybe it's idolatry. You think, well, I don't have idols and Buddhas in my house, but idolatry is anything you allow to sit on the throne of your heart other than God. And we all do it from time to time. It can be entertainment. Sleep, comfort, can be idolising our house or our garden. Recreational sport can come before God. Holidays, work, money, sin, family, friends, position and prestige, all manner of things. And when something sits on that throne of our hearts, we become slaves to it. Whatever sits on the throne of our heart is what rules us. So the practical application of this principle is simple. Every day make Jesus Lord of your life. Every day remove anything that's competition for your heart and every day worship God with your prayers and your songs and with your life. And we can also experience bondage because of trauma, because of religious upbringing, or it can be sin that we've opened ourselves up to, like dabbling in the occult, including reading horoscopes and astrology, participation in seances, tarot cards, or seeing a psychic being involved sexually with someone we are not married to, looking at porn, taking drugs, any myriad of sins, again, consciously or unconsciously. I'm going to look again next week at how to get freedom from these things. And it can be from addictions that we've allowed into our world. An addiction is anything we do that we don't want to do, but we can't stop doing. It's an ingrained pattern that pulls us to false idols to escape our pain. And it's easy to be arrogant or judgmental about somebody else's addictions, but to make excuses for your own or exceptions for you. We're just blind to our own. You think, well, maybe you don't do crack, but you think nothing of spending four hours a day on Facebook or gaming. You may not drink and get drunk or smoke, but you don't think twice about overeating at every meal. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> You've never gambled, but you're glued to the television every night. Well, you can't stop checking your emails, texts and Twitter updates on your phone. Oh, God, I need some work. Um, addictions aren't just recovery group issues, but they are life-altering. And as Paul writes, everything is permissible for me, but I'll not be mastered by anything. So what are the things in your life that have control over you? John 10.10, 10, the enemy's the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So the enemy's ultimate goal is to rob you of a joyful, fulfilled life 
and keep you from being effective. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. And 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's just looking for a little chip in our armour, some way to enter in to pull us off track from what God has got for us. And left unchecked, your addictions can keep you on a treadmill of frustration and mediocrity, never growing into your God-given potential. And they become your master and you remain a slave and that's not what God wants to, how he wants to leave you. So how can we step into freedom? Well, God has provided the cup of deliverance for you, a gift of hope, redemption and fulfilment. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God, the answer is in Christ Jesus our Lord. (laughs) So firstly, ask a leader or minister that moves in these gifts to make time to pray with you. Every week, some of the pastors at Hepburn Heights and I, we're taking some people through some prayer ministry and seeing them come into this freedom. Set aside some time for these things to be identified and then receive prayer and deliverance from whatever's holding you back. And again, we'll talk about how this all works next Sunday. We can be free if we're willing to follow, follow the guidelines that God has provided for our best interests. It's a process that we can't achieve alone. It requires community within the body of Christ, the church. And though there's a variety of ways a group of believers can help, each, um, help one another through the process of deliverance, it's often most effective when practiced deliberately. So one of the best tools for deliverance is confession. When we confess to God, we have immediate assurance of his forgiveness. I was going to read the Passion version of Psalm 32. Then I finally admitted to you all my sins, refusing to hide them any longer. I said, my life-giving God, I will openly acknowledge my evil actions and you forgave me. All at once, the guilt of my sin washed away and all my pain disappeared. This is what I've learned through it all. All believers should confess their sins to God. Do it every time God has uncovered you in the time of exposing. If you do this, when sudden storms of life overwhelm, you'll be kept safe. Lord, you are my secret hiding place, protecting me from these troubles, surrounding me with songs of gladness. Your joyous shouts of rescue release my breakthrough. I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before. Don't just, don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. I remember that feeling with toddlers, right? (laughs) I think sometimes we're a toddler in, in our walk with God. So my conclusion is this. Many are the sorrows and frustrations of those who don't come clean with God. But when you trust in the Lord for forgiveness, his wraparound love will surround you. John 1, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. It seems as if confessing to sins to God would be enough, Right? But he adds another piece to the deliverance puzzle, confessing our sins to one another. Confessing to God takes care of the past. It takes care of what happened. But confessing to another person helps it to not happen again. It brings a certain level of accountability. 
But how do we do this? How do we deal with our own personal issues and those secrets that we have? Well, some people say, I'll work it out with God privately. It's just between him and me. The only problem is that that's not God's plan. His, words, his word can't be any clearer. We go to God for forgiveness. We go to God's people for healing. And James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Our confession to another person notifies the kingdom of darkness that we are ready for a change. <laughs> when we verbalize our faults and we make the name of the Lord, take the, make the name of the Lord over our situation, it overcomes the enemy of our soul. Revelation 12:11 says, "They triumphed over him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony." So small groups, connect groups, are where we deal with our ugly stuff and live out our faith as a process. As we live our lives together with other followers of Jesus, we earn the right to speak and to be heard, to be honest and transparent with one another. We create a safe place where we know we're loved and valued, no matter how ugly our struggles or how painful our admissions. And real life changes, change happens in the context of relationships. Always has, always will. Because information alone has never changed anyone's life. God uses people, and that's why we need to follow God's formula to experience real deliverance. Hebrews 10:23, "Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I had so many people come and, and share with me, like confess their sins and then this light comes. It's like the things hidden in the corner that the devil would torment us and say, well, but they don't know about that. They wouldn't love you if they knew about that. Oh, no, don't show anyone that. That's just shame. We bring them out in the light. It's all just, well, that's not that big a deal. Yeah. Yep, Jesus can forgive you of that, Yeah. Let's pray, boom, that's God, it's in the light and the devil can't torment you anymore. We can come into that freedom. And it's also that me too thing. In a small group, we're like, oh, I really battled with this. They're like, oh, me too. Oh, I'm not alone. Again, the devil's tormenting you. You go, oh, you're the only person that's battling with this. You're a real loser, aren't you? It's like, no, we're all human. We've all got flesh. We've all got things that we're dealing with. It all looks different. Yes, something, someone else might, someone might have alcoholism, someone might have gossip. Sin is sin, right? We've all got things. Laziness and apathy might be just a whole lot of different things. Sin is sin. And that's why we encourage connect groups. Everyone needs to be known and a valued member of a small group. As people working through their issues together, as people getting close to other believers and experiencing healing, that's what we want to see. So next week I want to share about how we come to be in certain bondages and give you some very practical and spiritual ways to overcome. So I'd just like you all to stand now as the band comes. Today, what is it that God wants you to take away from what you've heard? Like, how does this look in your life today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and next week? 
What's the next step for you? Is it to join a connect group? Maybe you're going to email me this week and say, Pastor Nicole, I want to book some time to have some prayer ministry. I just feel like there's some things I want to get shifted, I want to get free from. I'm going to start running some freedom courses in the future. Maybe you need to jump into that. I would just love to see everybody come into that. We all need that freedom. Prioritise being here at church next week to discover more about this freedom journey. And right now, it could be asking the Lord to show you any areas where you may have blockages, areas of sin, idolatry, addiction, doors that you've opened up either intentionally or unwittingly, or just something feels heavy and you're not sure why. We've allowed time now for you to come for prayer. Like that quote from Braveheart, you can run, but won't you look back and wish you'd fought for freedom? So I'm going to pray over you all now, then feel free to come forward when I finish. Father, I confess my sins to you and thank you for being faithful and just and forgiving me of my sin and cleansing me from all unrighteousness. Lord, give me the courage and the wisdom to approach those that love you and love me so that I can share my struggles and faults and experience healing. In every area, be Lord of my life. Amen. You know, we have to fight for freedom because there's territory territory for us to take. And we have to come against where the enemy is able to actually be able to take territory back from us. We have to come against passivity, and fear has to go. We've got territory to take back that was stolen from us by the enemy. You know, the, those things that bind us can manifest in many ways. They can look like anger, frustration, moods, grief, apathy, cynicism, so many things. And they take away from our joy and the fullness of life that Jesus came to give. So right now we've got some people here that are wanting to pray for you and with you and stand with you. So let's take this time to come into his presence, to humble ourselves and to receive some prayer and some healing and some freedom in those areas of our life. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.